Hey, before we get started this morning, I should have done this in the first service, and I did not. Uh, but the book of Romans talks about giving honor to whom honor is due. And so let me just pause for just a minute and say this. Uh, last week, we had a great week for Missions Week. Uh, we had, hearts were challenged. Uh, just, a, just a great time of coming together, international dinner. Uh, o- over a third of our church actually went on mission that week and participated in some kind of missions thing. So we just didn't talk about missions. Uh, we actually were on mission uh, last week. And so it was just a great time. And uh, let me just say this. I had nothing to do with any of it, okay? I got to sit back and enjoy it. And uh, Sean Coons, our pastor of Going Ministries, uh, was responsible for all of that last week. And uh, so we just let him know how much you appreciate his efforts and how well that turned out. Sean, is that what you wanted to say? Did I get it? Okay, good. All right. So, hey, listen. If you <laughs> if you looked up the word country preacher, anybody ever heard of country preacher? Yeah, a couple of you. If you looked up the word country preacher in the dictionary, uh, you might just see a picture of an old time evangelist named Wiley Rutledge. Uh, Wiley Rutledge was a seminary student some many many years ago, actually, and he and a music minister friend would go around uh, during the summer months preaching revivals. And while the music minister were young, they were unmarried, so they could travel easily. And it was, they were going to a church outside of Knoxville, Tennessee, to preach a revival. It was a revival meeting that would last a full two weeks. While they were there leading the services, two young ladies in the congregation caught their fancy, as they say. And they got up the nerve to invite them out to dinner on the Friday night between the two weeks of revival. And to keep things not getting complicated, they just said, hey, we'll, uh, we'll just meet you at the restaurant, is what they told the girls. Well, Wiley didn't know that much about Knoxville, and so he wound up picking a very expensive restaurant for their date. And when they all sat down at the table, the very nicely dressed waiter handed them a menu. And that menu had no prices on it. And Wiley was from eastern Kentucky. Anybody here know where that's at? Eastern, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Wiley is from eastern Kentucky, and so he said, that's right nice. They don't make a big deal about prices here at this restaurant. And so they ordered and Wiley said, we had a Caesar salad and that waiter whipped it up right there at the table, slapped a raw egg in that thing and some little squiggly fish looked like bait to me, but it all tasted just fine. He said, then we had some Chateau Brie and a steak that would melt in your mouth. He said there were some old rotten potatoes that actually tasted pretty good, though. He said they had asparagus with a hound's day sauce on it. And for dessert, we had a baked Alaskan. They brought out this here ice cream cake and set that daggum thing afar. Which, by the way, that's a fire in English, okay? After they finished the meal, the waiter came to the table and said, Is there anything else I can get for you? Oh, no, Wiley said, we're, we're right full. Thank you. So the waiter laid the check on the table in a little leather book. Wiley had never seen them give a bill in a book before where he was from. And when they looked at the bill, he knew why. The bill, and this was many years ago, was $139.42. He about choked. He thought for a second, looked at the ministry of music and said, uh, would you like to step into the little boy's room with me? Now, that's not unusual for a woman to ask. Ladies, you ever invite another woman to the restroom? I have no idea what you're doing, what you're talking about, or who you're praying for, but I know you do it all the time, okay? But for a guy to ask another guy into the restroom, let's, let's just be honest, that's weird. And so the minister of music looked at him and said, uh, no, I don't have to go. Wiley looked back at him, then at the leather book again, looked back at him and said, you will in a minute. Let's go. They went to the little boy's room and tried to figure out what they were going to do, considering that they emptied their pockets on the counter there in the restroom and they had about forty two dollars between them. 
And they figured they could make some plan with the waiter and uh, get rid of the girls and kind of work it out privately so they wouldn't be embarrassed. So they went back to the table and sat down and the waiter kept coming back over and over saying, is there anything else I can get you? What he said, no, 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 we're, we're totally fine. We're all good here. And he couldn't understand why the girls wouldn't leave. And he gave them every opportunity to do so. And finally, Wiley looked across the room and caught the eye of someone he recognized. It was the chairman of the deacons from the church they were preaching the revival at. He was the head waiter at the restaurant. Wiley thought to himself, we are absolutely sunk. The waiter came over to the table and spoke and said, Brother Wiley, I didn't know you were eating here tonight. If I would have known that, I would have gotten you a better table. And Wiley turned pale. I hope you like the food. Oh, it was, it was it was nice. It was nice. The waiter said, was there anything else I can give you? Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're, we're fine. And his voice shook a little bit as he spoke. And at that point, that head waiter, that chairman of the deacons, reached down to the table, grabbed a little leather book containing the $139.42 bill and said to Wiley, why don't you let me take care of this for you? Wiley was dumbfounded. Later on reflection, Wiley said, I'd been preaching at that point for about 10 years. I was in seminary learning theology and Bible. But at that very moment, I finally understood what grace looked like. Wiley didn't deserve that. Those two young men were in over their heads. They made some bad choices. They spent more money than they had to cover. They should have been embarrassed and had to find a way of paying the restaurant back. But not that night. Wiley and his friend received grace. Wiley said this. He said, isn't that just what the father does for us in Jesus Christ? We run up a bill that we can't pay on our own. And he comes along and reaches down through his son and picks it up and says, why don't you let me take care of that? That's grace. Now, if you've ever been to one of the Lord's Supper services here at Liberty Heights, it's a little different than maybe some of the ones you grew up with, maybe some of the ones you've participated in. Because when I started going to church, uh, the Lord's Supper was like a funeral service. It was incredibly somber. But we've made an intentional choice here that ours are not going to be that way. They're not going to be somber. They're going to be celebrated because, well, yes, we remember his death, but we celebrate his resurrection. And so every time we come to the Lord's table, it's as if a tangible reminder of God picking up a check we could not pay and saying, hey, paid in full. And because of that, we celebrate his name on the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to get excited a minute if you don't, okay? We invite you to take your Bibles and turn this morning to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And we're going to prepare our hearts for just a few minutes. They normally schedule me for about seven minutes of the Lord's Supper and three of them are gone. So you're going to have to listen fast. Okay. Romans chapter 3. We're going to renew our mind this morning as we prepare for the elements and renew our mind around some central truths about the gospel and where God found us and what God did for us and why we should be motivated to worship every time we come to the Lord's table in celebration. Romans chapter 3 is such a crucial passage in the Bible uh, that the whole message of Christ is captured this. Donald Gray Barnhouse, great theologian, great commentator, uh, said this about Romans chapter 3. He said it's the most important paragraph in the entire Bible. Martin Luther said it's the chief point of the whole Bible. Brad Cunningham said it's a big deal. All right. So Romans chapter 3, verse 21, pick up this text. It said, but now, why is that but now there? 
You see, for three verses, three chapters, rather, Paul had been waxing eloquently on man's sin nature. He had been reminding us, hey, listen, you were born a sinner. Sin's not what you do. It's who you are. You have a totally fallen and depraved nature. So he'd been pouring on chapter one, bad news, chapter two, bad news, chapter three, bad news. And all of this hinges on chapter three, verse 21, when the thing begins to shift from bad news to good news. And so he starts off verse 21 and says, of all those things I just told you about your condition before the Father. But now. But now. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference for all have sinned. And falls short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? Love this part excluded there's because of the gospel there's not even any room for boasting on our behalf as recipients of the grace of god and so i just want to walk through just kind of hit some highlights this morning this is a passage certainly worthy of a few weeks or a, or a whole series that we could preach about out of romans chapter 3 and some great truths from the word of god but i just want us to center our, our mind around just four simple thoughts and walking through this paragraph as we prepare our hearts and our minds to come and worship at the Lord's table. This passage reminds us first off of this. It reminds us of where God found us. One of the things, the longer you serve Christ and the longer you walk with Christ, the easier it is to forget where God found you. And how God rescued you from your own sinfulness. And so many times we, we forget about that. The gospel literally means good news. Now, we love good news, do we not? We love when, when our kids come home from school. They say, how was school? It was great. It was wonderful. I did so well on that test and all these things. It was so fun. We love when our boss comes along and gives us good news and say, hey, listen, you've been doing a great job. And so I want to reward that with a bonus or a raise or days off or whatever that looks like in your context. We love when our spouse gives us good news. Hey, you know that thing you did for me? I so appreciate that. We love when the preacher gets up and reminds us about the goodness and the grace of our God. We love all of those things. Under the banner of good news. And life is hard. And we live in a fallen, sin-cursed world. And so good news is like an oasis in the desert many times. It is like a word fitly spoken in apples or pictures of silver and settings of gold. That's what Proverbs says. But I want to share with you this morning that you can't truly have an appreciation for the good news of Jesus Christ until you fully understand the bad news about where God found you. What is the bad news? Verse 23 is where God found every single person in salvation. It says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we don't like that preaching. That, that, that doesn't put bodies in the, in the rows. That doesn't put bucks in the offering plates. And so, so many times our insistence on good news, good news, good news. We, we neglect the bad news about we all come before the Father unclean, sinful, unredeemed. But hear me this morning, you will never be overwhelmed by the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ until you fully grasp the bad news about where God found you. And when I get honest about the bad news of my own life, 
And guess what? I'm overwhelmed by the good news. When I think of what I've done before the Father, I'm overwhelmed by what He's done for me in light of what I did to Him. No one has an interest in being found until the Spirit convicts them that they're lost. No one cares there's a heaven to gain until they realize there's a hell to shun. No one appreciates how redeeming the cross is until they come to grips with how damning their own morality is before a holy God. No one is interested and enamored by grace until they get honest about their sin. No one's saved until they understand that they're lost. And so where God found us, he said, we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The word all have sinned is, is actually that, that word used there. It's actually an archery term. It's actually an archery term. And when you shot an arrow and, and missed the bullseye and your arrow fell short, uh, they would actually say it sinned. And the arrow fell short. It missed the mark. And so what this verse is saying actually is this. Every single person has missed God's mark. That's the very definition of sin. We've missed the mark of righteousness. We've sinned before a holy father. Now, uh, I don't, many of you uh, this uh, like to go to Kings Island. We, we love to go to Kings Island and I've got four kids. And so every year with one of them, uh, especially the little ones, there's always this anxiety about, am I going to be tall enough to ride that ride or that ride? And listen, the worst thing, listen, if you're two feet short, nobody cares. But when you're a quarter inch short, it is a dagger in the heart. Amen. I remember one of my kids, one year like this, am I, am I tall enough? Am I tall enough? Just get on the ride. If you die, we've got three others. Come on, son, let's go. And it doesn't matter. Listen, if you're two inches short or two feet short of the mark, you're not riding that day. And so I don't care if you're the most wicked sinner or you're incredibly moral. Hear me this morning. You've missed the mark. And that's where God found all of us, right? It's where God found every single one of us. That's where God found us. This passage also reminds us what God did for us. Verse 24, being justified, how? Freely by His grace. Verse 24 is one of the most important verses in all the New Testament. He says we are justified freely by His grace. The word freely literally means without a cause. In other words, there's nothing that God looked down and said, you're deserving you're, you're so uh, you're, you're so moral. There's just so much goodness inherent in you. You're just such a special person. No, no, no. It says we have received it freely, totally without a cause, totally undeserved, totally unmerited favor is what the grace of God is. And we're justified there in verse 24. Now, let me just straighten out some theology, because I cannot tell you how many times I've heard this taught. The word justified does not mean just as if you've never sinned. All right. I've heard that so many times. Listen, it's not what it means. The word justified is a legal terminology declaring a new standing before God. And so justified isn't just as if I've never sinned. Justified is this. Justified is guilty, but pardoned. You see, it's not just forgiveness. It's forgiveness and then his righteousness put inside of me. It's so much better than just as if you never sinned. It's standing before the judge, a holy father, knowing you're guilty, Knowing you're on the gallows, knowing you have no defense and him looking down and saying you are guilty. But you are pardoned. Does that stir you up? Because I'm looking at your faces. and I'm not sure. You are guilty. But pardoned. There's absolutely no case, no longer any case against you at 
all. That's what God did for us when He found us in the condition we were in. Every single one of us who came to faith in Christ. This soft passage also reminds us of why God saved us. Two reasons. One in the past, verse 25. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance, He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So we went back and every sin since Adam was forgiven the cross. But it didn't just stop there. Look at verse 26. He did it to demonstrate His justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies the man who has faith in Christ in the present time. In other words, he says, hey, the work of the cross is unlimited in scope. It's forgiving your past, verse 25, and verse 26. It's forgiving your present. And verse 26 says, also your future. There's not a single sin. It's not covered by the cross. That's why God saved us, to set us free from the penalty and the slavery to sin. So what should that produce in us? Look at verse 27. Here's the answer. Where is boasting then? I love this part. It's excluded. He says the thing this should produce in you when you understand the gospel, where God found you, what God did for you, the scope of that act, past, present, and future, then it should produce the absence of all pride within you. That the only response I have to the grace of God is humility-saturated worship. Where's boasting? It's excluded. It's excluded. And may humility-saturated worship describe the condition of our hearts as we come to the Lord's table this morning. Scripture says that before we come and celebrate these elements, that there should be a time of examination where we come before the Lord to the best of our ability, asking the Spirit of God to search our hearts and come before these elements with clean hands and a clean heart. I'm going to invite you to bow your head this morning for a time of examination, asking the Spirit of God to search your heart. Let me just give you a few moments to do that very thing right now, right where you sit.